This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning to our Sunday morning worship service from Ocean Lakes Family Campground in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The subject today is happily ever after. There's a question mark after the word after. We'll be continuing today a series of messages on the general subject of personal growth. Today's focus is on that very important time in our lives when we have reached adulthood. We have either realized the fulfillment of some of our dreams, or perhaps we have had some childhood dreams replaced by harsh reality. The Bible has much to teach us about this stage in our lives. We'll be looking this morning at King David's life once again. The Old Testament account for what we'll be looking at today is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Whatever our age may be, we all have room for growth, and we pray that God will speak to our hearts in this message as we continue to grow in Him. For the past several Sundays, we've been looking together at some of the stages through which we go as we move on our pilgrimage from the cradle to the grave or from the womb to the tomb. A couple of Sundays ago, we observed that every child has the need for receiving from the big people both a sense of delight in their being and also a sense of expectation, a sense of destiny. Last Sunday, we looked at the stage of adolescence, which James Dobson so accurately describes as a time of indigestion, heartburn, and trauma. We observed that the twofold challenge which is faced during this stage is that of the parents having to let up without letting go, to step back without walking out on the relationship completely. The challenge faced by the adolescent is in finding how to pick up what is laid down by parents and to move into the larger world using one's own capabilities and then to walk forward without walking away from the wisdom that can come from parents. Now this morning we come to look at a third stage of development and this is probably the most strenuous time of life. Adolescence may be the most intense but adulthood is surely the most demanding. Most of us grew up hearing over and over that happy conclusion which came at the end of most every fairy tale, those six words which left us with a good taste in our mouth. And they lived happily ever after. There's something about those early childhood years that leads us to believe that the time of childhood and adolescence is a time of dealing with all the problems of life, fighting dragons, rescuing fair maidens, releasing innocent prisoners, and the like. But then we suddenly come out of this turmoil, we emerge into adulthood, and we now all become peaceful and still. And life is described now by those terribly misleading words, 
and they lived happily ever after. That's what we often think. Have you who are adults here this morning ever had the feeling that when you were a child, all would be better when you finally got through school, chose a vocation, selected a mate, and settled down? Everything was going to be serene and peaceful after all that was decided. Well, that kind of thinking, uh, we came to realize, was an illusion, a dream which is not based on reality. And so often then we become shaken into an awareness of what reality truly is. Our illusion is broken and we then become disillusioned. We would all be so much better off if we could get our ideas of life from the Bible instead of from some fairy tales. As comforting as they may be at one time in our life, the Bible never gives us the idea that we reach the place out there where the challenge to grow comes to an end, where troubles cease, where all is peaceful and calm. But we still hear adults who often reflect this carryover from fairy tale days. They say, why do Christians, and they within they say, like I am, have all this trouble and woe in life? You remember Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. He did not restrict this to days of childhood. He did not say that it ended when one emerged from adolescence. Jesus intimated that this is a description of life all the way through. But the words of Jesus are not to be taken pessimistically, however, because you will remember that also he did go on to say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This means that while Jesus did not promise to deliver us from struggle and hardship, he did promise to deliver us in our days of need. He promised to show us how to cope with all that comes in life and to enable us to be more than conquerors in life. This promise is applicable for all stages of life and it is nowhere more precious and needed than in a time of life which we call adulthood. What is the nature of the challenges we face as adults? This stage of life is usually the longest of all the growth stages that we have. It can take up to 60 or more years from the time we leave adolescence. Robert Raines says, and I'm quoting him, they tell me that now that I'm in the, my middle adult years, I'm in the prime of life. But what I feel like is a prime of prime roast beef. Everybody wanting a piece of me. Everybody needing something I've got. My wife, my children, my community, the church, everybody. George Bernard Shaw once said that most people die when they're 30 and are buried when they're 60. This is both true and tragic. There's nothing automatic about staying alive all the days of your life. The temptation to quit growing or to get out of balance is one that every adult faces. During those years between 25, 20 and 25, maybe 40 to 45, it's so difficult to maintain a proper balance with all the phases of life. 
Gail Sheehy has written a, an enormously popular book entitled Passages. In this book, she says that we have a responsibility to maintain a balance between three basic areas of life, work, relationships, and three, self-realization. Now we can rock along during early years and overlook or slight some area without too much backlash. But it is when we get to those mid-adult years that the neglected parts of our lives begin to cry out for our attention. And then we hear that question which is so often asked during mid-adult crisis, is this all? Do you mean that the rest of my life is going to be spent going through these same routines with these same old people doing these same things over and over again? In young adulthood, it is easier to put most of your energies here or there and not give attention to balance. You think you're getting by with it, but then comes that mid-adult crisis when that which has been neglected for so long refuses to be ignored and now begins to cry out for our attention. Gail Sheehy tells us in her book of an interview with a 46-year-old television announcer who had risen to the top of his profession. He was an anchorman for a news program in one of the networks. His face was well known in every household in America. His name was well known. His income was in the six digits. He had climbed the mountain of success to which he had set himself as a young man. But as she interviewed him, she found him strangely wistful. He said, you know, the view from up here on top of the mountain is nothing like what I thought it was going to be when I was down there straining every muscle to get ahead. What I realize now that I've climbed up here is that what I thought was going to be snow has turned out to be salt. Gail Sheehy said that she found this man talking about loneliness, about a sense of emptiness. She found him saying, even after his great success in the eyes of everybody else, is this all there is? Then she found him reflecting on how he had arrived at this place. He said that most of the people he knew who were successful had made it at the expense of people in their lives. Gail Sheehy went on to say that the American male classically, though they have wives, children, and sometimes mistresses, have really only one love affair until they're 40 and that is with their jobs. Making it is the obsession, getting to the place that you're king on the mountain, climbing over everybody's back until at last you're at the top of the mountain. Nothing else seems to be quite so important. This newscaster told her, now that I have made it to the top, how am I gonna get down from the mountain? Where are the navigational charts for descent. You don't come down from the mountain the same way you climbed up the mountain. And then he said, where are the people to make this journey with me? I have this great sense of loneliness. And on weekends, 
when I don't have my work to take up my time, I feel like climbing the wall. Here is a typical male dilemma, which comes from putting too much of self into one area of life and not enough into the other necessary areas. There comes a time when that which has been neglected will no longer be ignored. It cries out in a voice which says, is this all there is to life? Do you realize that more people commit suicide on a Saturday or Sunday than on all the other days of the week put together? They call this the weekend psychosis. The reason is because we have our lives so structured by other people during the week, trying to fit the mold that everyone else forms for us, that when the pressure is off, we are then thrown back to ourselves. We have to deal with life on our own and when other areas of life besides work ought to come to the front, they lie in sad neglect. And this vacuum, this pressure, is too great for some people who sink into despair and who take their own lives. This newscaster I mentioned a moment ago was lonely because he had never given himself to much of a relationship beyond his work. Oh, he had been married but he had what the experts call a pattern of serial monogamy. He was married to only one woman at a time, but he moved from woman to woman, from person to person. And anytime he ran into difficulty in marriage, instead of using that occasion to go deeper and to resolve the problem, he slid off into another superficial relationship with yet another wife and therefore no genuine deeper level of intimacy was able to be established with anybody. So here he was, tremendously gifted, competent in his vocation, his business, but at the same time he was tremendously lacking in terms of his own interpersonal relationships. Now doesn't all this sound very contemporary? It's like a page out of today's newspaper any day. Did this kind of situation begin only recently in our lifetimes? Oh no, not at all. Let's look at our biblical model for this series of messages, David in the Old Testament. He too faced the challenge of growing in a balanced way. If you go back and read the story of David's adult life, you'll find that David, like this newscaster, really made it big in the work dimension of his life. In a period of about five short decades, David rose from the obscurity of tending sheep to be the uncontested ruler all the way from the Nile to the Euphrates. He did this because he was so good at his profession of being king. He had all the natural abilities and he developed them, becoming a musician, a poet, athlete, administrator. Yes, David had it all. For these people who are so gifted with ability, who really know how to make it happen, there is that great temptation to become a workaholic and to pour all their energies into this part of life. While they're young adults, they think they can get away with it. This is the way it was with David. And there was no way to argue with the fact that he succeeded professionally. David had that shrewd sense of knowing what to do and when to do it. 
For example, during earlier years when King Saul treated David so unfairly, David did not take out a vindictive spirit against King Saul. He was never anything but a loyal and faithful subject to the king. When Saul and his sons were killed in battle, David did not rub his hands together in glee and say, huh, okay, serves that old scoundrel right. Oh no, with all of Israel, David went into genuine mourning and those who had followed Saul saw this. And so at the death of Saul, those northern tribes who had followed Saul now came down and asked David to rule them too. So David accepted. And then he thought, you know, if I can make Hebron, which has been in my territory, the capital of my kingdom, that will just infuriate those northerners. That'll be just like pouring lemon juice into a cut on the finger. So David did a very shrewd thing. He went and conquered a Jebusite stronghold, which had never been taken before by the sons of Jacob. And he made this new place, Jerusalem, the center of his new kingdom. But in spite of all this talent and ability in so many ways, when David reached those mid-adult years, all the successes of his kingship began to grow stale to his taste. He began to feel lonely, saying there must be something more to life than what he had experienced thus far. And that spring, when the armies went out to fight, for the first time in decades, David was not interested in going. His work was no longer the challenge that it had once been. Whereas before, David had always found work to be compelling, which occupied his time. Now, though, he found that it didn't, he didn't know what to do when he had a day off. As he wandered around not knowing what to do with himself, he saw from his rooftop a woman named Bathsheba. That neglected part of himself, which had been ignored for all those years, now began to assert itself. And then there began that tragic train of events that was to shatter the rest of David's life. You can read all this fascinating story in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And what we have observed from David's life is from that male perspective. But the female is under the same kind of pressures for growth in three areas in which David was lacking in his life. Those three areas again, work, relationships, and self-realization. From early days of childhood, young boys have programmed into them that they are to achieve to be successful in life. This expectation has not changed over the years, but this is not true of the girls. Years ago, little girls began early in life to get the idea that they are to excel in service rather than in achievement used to be thought that a young woman must find a husband, express herself through a family, and find her fulfillment in this way. And although there are still many women who follow this traditional role expectation, our society today has changed, and it has allowed a mixture of the male and female roles. Years ago, 
while a husband was out trying to get a, to the top by putting in 18 hours a day in his work, the American female was giving herself to the relational side of life, giving herself to her children, investing her life in her family. That was years ago. And then at age 40 or so, the male and female roles tended to cross. Then the man began to say, I realize now that work is not everything. People are important. And so he would turn to his wife for some tenderness. He realized his need to spend more time with his children. But right about this time, the wife began to feel, hey, I've had about all this homebound lifestyle that I want. I'm feeling the need to achieve also. I want to feel that I have some abilities out there beyond the four walls of this house. And so when the husband comes home, ready to be met by his loving wife, only to find a note that says, your supper is in the microwave. I've gone to night school. Where were you when I needed you? But now the husband is asking the same question of his wife. And the great tragedy of all this is that there has developed today a general confusion within homes and families with marital partners failing to meet the needs of each other. And often we see a disintegration of a home as a result. It has often been said that people in middle adult years need more help than at any other time in their lives, but they are least likely to ask for it. One great fear is that we might give somebody the impression that all is not sweetness and light in our lives. So many people are caught up in a fear of what others might think. Oh, it really is a complex situation indeed. Now let me try to pull all this together for a few moments, what I've been saying this morning before we stop. I've been trying to say this morning that we must realize that we all have many sides to our personhood. We have a responsibility during our adult years to give attention to three important areas of life, work, relationships, and self-growth inwardly. All of these areas are important, but if we put most of our energies into one area to the neglect of the others, then there's gonna be a time of reckoning whether we like that or not. I'm saying this morning to those who are married and in your adult years, this is a great time to be understanding with one another. There may be some areas which need to be reconsidered, areas where adjustments need to be made. We who are the men need to be confronted with the fact that the ladies do have needs beyond a restricted area of relationships. They need to express themselves in a larger world of using their multiple abilities that God has given to them. And you who are the ladies need to remember also that this is a time for mercy. If the man realizes that he has spent most of his energies off in only one area, but now he wants to work on a new dimension of his life, then you'll give him that mercy. You'll be sensitive to his desires now. And you will not say to him, okay, fella, because you blew it back then, I'm not gonna forgive you. I'm not gonna give you a chance to be different in the future. 
What is the challenge that we face in adulthood? Oh, certainly there are many. But this morning I've tried to put the spotlight on our need for balance in all areas of our lives. We as Christians have a wonderful example in this. That's in our Lord Jesus, who increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You'll find that in Luke chapter 2, the very last verse, the verse that follows the Christmas story of the birth of Jesus. By the renewal of our commitment to Jesus Christ and His way in our lives every day, we can have a fresh beginning in the walk wherein He directs. Yes, in the world of adulthood, you will have tribulation, but the, with the resources of Jesus Christ. And as you have Him as your guide, you can overcome. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we all have to say we're not what we ought to be. And we're not what we want to be. But help us, Lord, to be able to say we're not what we have been. And so, Father, as we keep on growing, let die in us what ought to die. And let live in us each day that which will give new insight into who and what we can be through Jesus Christ and His way. Amen.